10 teams enter the season with a new head coach and as with every year results are mixed four have a winning record two of those lead their division and arguably another two might have their teams in a worse position than last year welcome back to the stand everyone i'm your host mark hogan and today we're talking about those head coaches with george egador or more commonly known as george on sports i know off or just before we started this george we were talking but uh i think you might be happy for to have a break from london for a couple of weeks yeah it's a crazy thing to say um just because obviously when the NFL comes over, all you want to do is get involved, right? Um, but yeah, we've, myself and a few other guys that I do a lot of work with, Dre, Sam from The Verge, Ash, Chris from NFL Vintage, we all kind of, you know, we're all at it. So it's kind of nice to have the little bit of, I think we've got a couple of weeks, nothing going on this week, maybe a few things next week before the the, uh, the Jags and the Broncos game at Wimbledon this time. But it is nice to have a little bit of downtime so we can kind of catch up on ourselves, catch up on the on the games too. We said this earlier. Um, so it is nice to have the break, yeah, for sure. For I suppose one of the things that we're lucky about is I wasn't really paying massive attention to the Giants before because I was thinking that they're fluking into their wins. It was the Monday night game against Dallas that I started to pay attention to a few weeks ago. When we're talking about these first year head coaches, I think the best place has to be Brian Dable because we just saw what he did to Green Bay Packers team who might be kind of in a worse position than we like to think because they're such a big name. But how impressed were you with Brian Dable the other day and what he did? We're able to see in person that offense and in particular Daniel Jones is running. You have to give him some credit right after that win. 100%. And I think the other thing to remember is um, Daniel Jones was still a little bit banged up. His ankle wasn't 100%. Um, so for him to go out there and play like he did, I think a lot of the team were saying that was his best performance in a long time, actually. But coming back to Brian Dable, I mean, you saw how he celebrated at the end of the game and in his post, um, post-game conference. One of the things he said was, well, I celebrated because that essentially was a Packers home game. I mean, it was a ridiculous numbers. I think we broke um, record attendance at the stadium. It's over 61,000. And when you walk into that stadium, it was pretty much cheeseheads all over the place. So for Brian Dable to come in there and do what he did, and I will add as well, with very limited um, options on the offense. I mean, their defense, I think, is very underrated. Um, Wink Jones is obviously, uh, Martin Dale was in a very good job and, you know, he's kind of going under the radar, but on offense, they don't really have much. Saquon Barkley returned from a horrific couple of injuries um, over the last couple of seasons and is, is obviously returned to form right now. And I think he just about leads or is second behind Nick Chubb in rushing. But if you look at their offense, I mean, yes, Daniel Jones, they haven't signed him for the fifth year option, which means he probably won't be there moving forward. But then you look at someone like Kadarius Tony, who I kind of compare to Tyreek Hill, has been nothing but injured. You have guys like Wanda Robinson, who isn't really a household name, Richie James. But your main guys, like Kenny Goliday, has since he signed that $72 million deal, has done nothing, absolutely nothing for this team. Um, you look at guys like Darius Slayton, who's, you know, having mopping up a lot of the targets. Sterling Shepard, who was one of their main guys, went down with a non-contact injury, I think maybe three or four weeks ago now. Um, so for them to be at four and one with a bare bones offense is very, very impressive. Very impressive. And hats off to Brian Dable. He's brought that mentality over from the Buffalo Bills. Um, he's never going to turn Daniel Jones into Josh Allen. So we'll just we'll just deal with that right now. That's never going to happen. But he has done a lot of good things. He deserves a lot of credit. Likewise, um, defensive coordinator too, because they're four and one and they haven't been four and one in a very long time. 
it's so interesting that you say he can't turn him into Josh Allen, but he's making Daniel Jones do the best Josh Allen impersonation that he can possibly do because it is Daniel Jones's running that has opened up the offense. Now, after the Monday night game against Dallas, I said, there's no way this is sustainable. In that game, he was after going off for 79 yards and 15 more pulled back on a penalty. And I said, it's inevitable that he's going to get injured. And a week later, he goes and gets injured and that ankle is banged up. But even last week, when it was so obvious that he was down all his wide receivers and they would have to use his legs, he still used his legs. And I was watching him because we were so close and he wasn't favoring either ankle because I was like, well, which one is it that's supposed to be injured? And it really has opened up the offense then because what changed in that game was the Wildcat then became available to them because the teams didn't know were they defending against Daniel Jones running the ball or was it going to be Saquon Barkley running the ball. And it's like Saquon Barkley had three Wildcats Two of them were for long gains. Another was just a three-yard gain. Or sorry, one was long, one was a touchdown. Then there was another That's short right. one in there. And it was, it's, 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 how, it's just how crazy that it is. That, that's not what you should be defending against, against the Giants. But Dable is after coming over with the offense from Buffalo that was successful. And people questioned, like, Eric B. Enemy, whether he does or does not have a hands-on role in Kansas City, they said, well, there's no point giving Eric B. Enemy. A lot of teams are saying there's no point giving Eric B. Enemy a, a, a chance because we don't know how he's going to bring an offense over. And not to the same extent, but that has been said for Brian Dable, that he couldn't bring that to New York, not with these, even though it's the most expensive wide receiver room in the league, <laughs> Brian Dable won't bring it over. And yet he has. Now, the obvious thing is, why are teams not stacking the box and forcing Daniel Jones to throw and, you know, turning him into the apparent turnover machine that he has been for years? But that's literally the difference with Brian Dable is how he is getting the absolute, absolute best out of this team. And I definitely found it fascinating. I thought it was a great example to see them do it in person the other day. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he actually said something, um, Brian Dable, I read it earlier today, actually, about how he's managed to get the team to where they are. And he spoke a lot about the power of believing in the players and giving the players all the credit um, because at the end of the day, they are the ones on the field. But obviously the coaches are instilling this this confidence and, and the right schemes too. But like you say, I know we're going to speak about some other coaches too, but you kind of look at Doug Peterson, the Peterson and the same thing's going on there. Um, I can't say the same for the Colts, clearly. <laughs> he's, I don't know Frank Wright's not a new head coach, but still. I think sometimes it just takes it takes the coach or the coaching team or the men. Something has to change, and it does. It's not always the players because technically, yes, they've got Kayvon Thibodeau, um, and some other guys, like McKinley, who's I think at the safety position. Not too much has changed with the roster yet. They're sitting at four and one, and they've beat the Packers in you know a, a very good fashion in what I probably would call a Packers home game in London. Yeah, well, that Packers crowd was insane because it's. I've been to a handful of these games at this point. It's the first time I've ever seen a genuine us feed them crowd. You know, there was a definite cheers, and even the Giants fans got into it. I was surprised there was a. The Giants fans would have had a larger than normal presence themselves if it wasn't to be pitted up against the Packers. But when yeah. we're talking about these London games, you just mentioned Doug Peters, and he will be here in a couple of weeks' time. We'll see um, him with the. Denver Broncos, and maybe we'll use this to even transition into Nathaniel Hackett in a moment. But Doug Peterson, I was talking last week to JP Acosta. We were talking about it from um, SB Nation, and we were talking about the Jags. And we did touch on Doug Peterson for a moment, and we were saying he's given the answers to Trevor Lawrence, which, like you're saying, they, he he has come with, a, with an offense that 
helps out the quarterback big time. And it's look, Trevor Lawrence has an abundance of talent, and we all know that. But when you're scheming guys into the correct positions, like Doug Peterson, like it's no no surprise that they lost at the weekend. They are two and three, but they're looking fantastic, and they're in a great position to win that division. Absolutely, and as a Colts fan, that's really hard for me to say. Um, we're used to talking about the Jags and automatically signing that off as a win. And that's just how it's been for so many years. You know, we talk about the Jags, oh, that's a win. Talk about Houston, oh, that's a win. It really isn't the same anymore, in particular with these Jags. It really isn't. I mean, you bring in a guy like Doug Peterson who isn't going to kick his players, and I'm referring to Urban Mayer here, and, and you know, act a fool and do all this kind of crazy stuff. And all of a sudden, yeah, you bring in someone like Christian Kirk, whether you've overpaid or not, um, you know, that will forever be debated. But Kirk has shown up in a lot of games and he's done a lot of good things. He's been a safety blanket for for Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, he looks comfortable. He looks relaxed. He looks in his element. He looks like he's had weight taken off his shoulders. And that is what you want from your team. That is exactly what you want from your team. You add in some additions, you know, they think uh, DJ Chark, who they got from, um, oh no, is DJ Chark gone to the Lions? Or has he gone to the, no, DJ Chark has he gone went to the Lions. Yeah. Zay Jones, you bring in someone like Zay Jones. Um, Evan Ingram good, was another guy. Evan Ingram, in. they've got good running backs, um, and they obviously drafted well too. Having you know, they they have had the number one pick or at least top three picks for some time now. So naturally, you expect to see that transition into the squad, and they've done a great job. You mentioned they're going to come over soon, and I think um, I'm probably going to go into want to go to the Jags medias and practice because I'm really keen to see what that setup is like. And I know people probably think, why would you not want to go and see Denver or, or Russ? But I'm sorry. I mean, there's not much going on there. And we'll talk about Nathaniel Hackett at some point in this show, but the Jags are looking really good. They're impressive. Yeah. And they're doing everything in the right way, consistent across the board. They've got a young and up, up and coming defense. Um, they don't, they're not they're not flashy they're not splashy they just do the, the the small things correctly they play the basics of football very very well and i think doug peterson has gone under the radar um and i know they're two and three record doesn't show but they, they're playing some great football and they're actually quite fun to watch i want to talk about nathaniel hackett in a moment it does make sense because we will see him put it against doug peterson with the jags come but there's a couple of more positive co- for of these first year head coaches still that we should get out of the way almost first before we swing things a bit more negatively. And I guess at the moment we have this awkwardness with the Miami Dolphins and Tua being out and Mike McDaniel. I struggle with it because the Dolphins organization, I tweeted out when the concussion first happened that the owner was serving a suspension. They're being investigated for, or they were just investigated for tanking and they yeah. fired Brian Flores after two years. And yeah. I think this whole sus- uh, concussion thing it's exactly what Brian Flores was getting at, that behind the scenes, it was not being well run. And I think that Mike McDaniels has navigated this as well as he could between, I'd imagine behind the scenes, he's kind of saying, no, I'm not putting him out there. This is my name that's on the line. And it, certainly that's how it appears to me. And look, we, there can be endless conspiracies about what's after going on in Miami, but they seem to be getting it right at the moment. Anytime that Mike McDaniel is asked to speak on this, he does so as a guy, it seems to me at least, that is talking with his players' best interests at heart. Um, even so much so that he's saying that Tua could almost go this week, but in in fairness to the player, he hasn't snapped the ball in two weeks. So we have to look after the team here. It's hard to judge how much of Mike McDaniel's scheme is 
is working at the moment because it would have been very easy to say, oh yeah, with Tua out, let's see how successful this offense is. It Tua or is it Mike McDaniel? Well, then Teddy Bridgewater came in. Teddy Bridgewater got into yeah. now. You have Skylar Thompson starting this week, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, I think that he has. It's hard to say he's made the team successful because Brian McDo- or Brian Flores already had the team successful, but I think mm-hmm. he is speaking from a lot of leadership. He has the likes of um, Tyreek Hill now with the team, and they're looking really good. I suppose if if you were to almost rank them, where would you put Mike McDaniel, Doug Peterson, and Brian, Brian Dable? Oh, um, against each other? Yeah, for real. If you had to, if Frank okay. Reich has gone in the morning and these guys were available. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a good way to look at it because that could be become a, a reality very, very soon. <laughs> okay, so Brian Dable, Doug Peterson. Do you know what? I'm tempted to go with either Doug Peterson or Brian Dable, and that's no disrespect to Mike McDaniels, but I just think Doug has done it for so many years. Um, I feel like he's, in fact, I'd be I'd be inclined to go with Doug actually, just because I feel like he has had the the right amount of experience. Um, he's not a guy that you know puts his name out there in the media. He's just I put my hat on, I put my coaching hat on. You know, we saw what he did with the Eagles, and I get on with the job. I use what I've got to the best of my ability. Um, there isn't anything, any particular drama surrounding him. I just feel like he is the, the guy to steady a ship and he's steadied the Jaguar ship. And again, the two and three, but clearly we can see what moves they're making and how they're working as a franchise, as an organization, in particular with with um, Trevor Lawrence. I think I, I remember him saying something about, why wouldn't he take the job when you have someone like Trevor who can ball, you know, you just need to get the right pieces around him. And if they, if they don't finish great this season, they're only going to get better next season. Um, Brian Dable is a close second, clearly for obvious reasons. Obviously, we've seen what he's um, he's worked very closely with someone like Josh, and he's got the, the, the absolute best out of him. You know, people would argue that Josh is the best quarterback in the league right now. I I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Josh, um, and I think he's only going to get better because he's still quite young. Um, Mike McDaniel, I do like, and I think he's a real players coach, someone that you know he can walk into the locker room and guys will huddle around him and they'll you know they'll tell him how they're feeling. They'll open up to him. You know, they'll get deep and personal and, and the players will want to play for someone like that on the field. Um, but something about Doug and Brian, they just have the, I don't know if it's the experience that they have, the, the you know, the coaching hat. Um, when you look at them in the lineup, you kind of go, well, who here do I want to take my team forward? Who here kind of has the experience? Who here can can be that, that, that player's coach, but also, you know, be the coach at the same time? And I think, you know, those are some of the guys that I'd look at. So no disrespect to Mike, but I think it'd probably be Doug and then probably Brian. They're they're very close, but I'd probably say Doug. I think. And then Brian yeah, I think th- I think they bring such different. They bring really cool schemes and you mm. know forward thinking schemes. Each each one of the three, I suppose. The thing going against Mike McDaniel is he comes off a bit kind of not geeky, but he's definitely a different kind of head coach. Yes. Like when he speaks, yep. it's just it's strange the way he conducts himself, even though he seems like a really great guy mm-hmm. that uh, I, I think you're right there. But I kind of asked the question because even though we're going to get talk more about the first year head coaches in a second, it was interesting to me when you look back on where these guys have all come from. And it's like, Dable has been involved in the NFL since 2000 in the coaching level. Uh, Mike McDaniel since 2005, even though he took a two-year break to do some UFL football. And then Doug Peterson since 2009, we know his story. He was a high school coach before that. And 
when we just and we're going to take almost a spit, pit stop here when we think about matt rule was just fired a couple of days before oh, we record this and it's i think the nfl coaches are getting it done because you're after mentioning urban meyer then when you're speaking there and it's that nfl background is really really coming through at the moment that you have to be like Mm -hmm. so you you have to understand these schemes and i know like the nfl got a bit like kind of cool there for a second they wanted to be able to bring in these college offenses but as everyone starts to catch up to them it's your head coaches that have been around for a while are the ones that are getting it done. I do think it's interesting that Mike McDonald, it's his first time as a head coach. Brian Abel, it's his first time as a head coach. We can't say that for mm-hmm. Doug Peterson, but Doug Peterson wasn't removed from Philadelphia other than the owner, owner Jeff Lurie, wanted to go in a different direction. And we know how that all yep. played out with Carson Wentz and all that. And look, sure, they're doing great. And that direction is after really working out yeah. for them. Nick Sirianni from the, um, from the Colts. And even that didn't look fantastic at the time. And it Nick Sirianni, they, you know, he came out and they had that interview where he kind of like coughed up over his words. He stumbled, he stumbled. But it's like it's working for them now, clearly. So that's a story <laughs> for another day. But another yeah. one of the coaches that I'm kind of interested in this year, and I think it is a very positive story with the Minnesota Vikings for and one, is Kevin O'Connell, who came over from the LA Rams. Yeah. Now, he was purely tasked with making this offense click. And it was an offense last year that was number 11, passing yards and stuff like that that he he just has to get the best out of Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. But it's like, I feel like you're always going to be fighting against Kirk Cousins unless he eventually ends up in San Francisco with his old buddy, Kyle Shannon. So do, do you think that this is going to keep up for the Minnesota Vikings? They're my pick for the NFC North going into the year, and I'm very confident of that pick at the moment. Yeah, so like you, um, all offseason, I had said that the Vikings are now the new kings of the North. Um the Packers aren't the same anymore for obvious reason. You know, you pay A-Rod that big contract. You lose Devontae Adams. Um, you trade away um, or draw away uh, Zaire Smith to, as a Darius Smith, sorry, to to your arch, you know, your rivals in the Vikings who now you pair him up with Daniel Hunter and they're a force to be reckoned with. But I, I, I had said the same thing. Kevin O'Connell bringing what he's done over from the, from the Rams to the Vikings is huge. And one of the first things that they declared was, we are now a pass-first team. That was one of the first things they came out and said, we're no longer run-first. Obviously, you have the likes of Davin Cook, Alexander Madison, I think CJ Ham as well. But Kevin O'Connell coming over, and we saw what he did with Cooper Cup. Um, yes, they had other guys too, OBJ, Van Jefferson, who do help Cooper Cup get open. But you come over to to, to the Vikings, um, and Kevin, we I got to meet Kevin O'Connell and ask him a few questions too at some of his um, the Vikings training and media day. And he's... He's a very intelligent guy. Very intelligent guy. His dad worked for the MI5. Um, I forget what the name of the test is that the QBs have to do at the draft, but he was a quarterback and he scored the highest on, I think it was, is it the Nordic? The, I forget what it's called. There's a test you have to do. It basically um, works out your sort of like your IQ and your intelligence. And he he had the highest that, that, that anybody had seen in that year from any player. Um, but he's just a very clever guy. Um, he's a guy that I feel like the, the players again will play for, but the fact that he has come around and you know he is a announced that they're a past team first with the likes of Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, um, and Adam Thielen. I think I'm 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 so I'm all in with the Vikings. I think they win the NFC North. Um, they are the you know the the kings of that division, so to speak. And I think it'd be a while before the Packers get back in. I think they kind of finish up the positive stories. I mean, your Todd Bowles got. Tampa Bay and look Tampa Bay was riding high like it's a weird year for them you can't really put it on the coaching staff 
Dennis Allen, when we had them over in London, I was asking some of the team journalists about it, and they're like, look, it is not, it's anything less than ideal when you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback, and even when he's gone now, and Andy, Andy Dalton, it's like, that defense was supposed to be fantastic, but again, Dennis Allen, tough position after Sean Payton went in the circumstances that he went with. Lovey Smith with that Houston team. I, I will say, Matt Eberflus with the Chicago Bears, I love what he's implemented with the run game. I gave them no chance. I thought they could have gone 0-16, even though they don't look like a fantastic game, uh, team. They are 2-3. And, and, I mean, I'm not going to say they're able to move the ball, but we all know how bad that roster is and what yeah. just went on with Matt Nagy and that. Yeah. But there is two more coaches that I want to focus on before we get out of here. And you can <laughs> you can pick whichever one you want because it's a bit to uh, digest with it. Nathaniel Hackett or Jack, Josh McDaniels, who has their team almost in a better, in a worse position now? Oh my God, I, that's a really tough one because I think they're both stuck. I'm probably going to say Nathaniel Hackett purely because although I'm not I'm not a fan of Josh McDaniels in any way, shape, or form, and I don't think he's a player, he's a coach's player. I don't think a lot of the players probably will get get along with him. But Nathaniel Hackett, in his first year of head coaching um, with the Broncos, he just looks too much of a mess. Um, people have assumed that if you plug in someone like Russell Wilson, you're going to get results. That hasn't been the case. The only reason I think, again, I picked Nathaniel Hackett is because he doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Play calling is all over the place. Game management is all over the place. Clock management is all over the place. The fans are, are counting down from 10 to 1 just so you don't, you know, have to take a penalty. At least with the Raiders, they can show that, you know, I know they were 0-3. But you can see that where they can, you can see how they could be good. They nearly beat Kansas. And technically... They should have beat, was it Kansas? Yeah, they should have beat Kansas when, um, on that last play, fourth down, where Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro collided. And, you know, that was pretty much it. And, you know, what happened with Adams' history. But Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos, you know, I really don't know what's going on there. Um, I'm not too sure how long he's actually going to last, if I'm honest, because they've already had to bring in another guy to help with game management and play calling, which is never a good sign, you know, first year. So, yeah, Russ definitely isn't cooking. Nathaniel Hackett, um, He's got a lot of growing pains going on. They've lost Javante Williams. They lost Tim Patrick, the wide receiver. Um, they still have a decent roster. They've brought in Latavius Murray to, to go alongside Melvin Gordon, who has his own issues in fumbling. Um, but it, it it just doesn't. It's not a good look. He actually physically looks like he's a little bit clueless. I don't know if that makes sense, but he looks like he doesn't know what's going on, and you cannot hide that in any way, shape, or form. So um, yeah, I'd go Nathaniel Hackett. I think the thing with Hackett, and you're right to point out, we don't know how long he's left, even though he's a first-year head coach, that buying Cliff Kingsbury, it's Nathaniel Hackett is favoured to be the next head coach fired. And when you think of Cliff Kingsbury's contract, that's just to do with expectations is why they would fire him. And now every team has expectations, but it looks like Nathaniel Hackett is out of his um, comfort zone. And I suppose the thing that really comes back to me is when he took that job, the talk that was that he got that job because Aaron Rodgers was going to be traded or he was going to be able to facilitate a trade from Green Bay to bring an unhappy Aaron Rodgers over from Green Bay. And now that he hasn't delivered on that, yeah, sure, they did get their big quarterback trade, but it's like the, co- the new owners didn't employ him. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring the quarterback over. He does look all over the place. And it's like a damned if you do, damned if you don't, because, you know, he took the ball out of... Russell Wilson's hands in week exactly one and they that. put it into his hands then recently last week that nothing seems to be going right for him and it's almost like yeah you're saying he's clueless I just think he's pure aging whereas when it comes to Josh McDaniels 
he was with Denver himself once upon a time and had a That's disastrous right. um, go around right. with it. Denver fans will tell you more that he has to go, but at the same time, Las Vegas does, especially against Kansas City, you're right on Monday night. They actually did look good. They went out to a 17 nothing lead, but it was Kansas City being Kansas City more than anything were the ones that were able to bring it back. But I think the two things with these teams is on Monday night, the thing that cost the comeback or cost the Raiders to come back was penalties. Mm-hmm. And with Nathaniel Hackett, the Denver Broncos are the most penalized or second most penalized team in the league. And they often say that the sign of poor coaching is reflected in the flags. So I think for both of those guys, look, I think it's something like four out of the top six teams have first year head coaches in terms of flags. Uh, uh, their first year head coaches are most penalized. So it's not just stuck to them, but when you're in a division, when you, I suppose what it is, George, is. They were supposed to come out the gates firing on all yep. cylinders, and they're yep. not. And that's what we're surprised we are. They haven't been given the benefit of the doubt. And I think what goes against Josh McDaniels for me is, yeah, we know what happened with John Groom, but then when Rich Passaccia took over, I guess around this time last year, yeah, he actually yeah. he got the team looking really good really fast. And then since then, they've added Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. That yeah. He had one of the best situations out of anyone going into this year, you could say. And when you see what Doug Peterson has done with his squad, when you see what Michael McDonald's has done with his squad, when you see what Brian Dable has done with that giant squad, Crazy, right? yeah. these guys don't get the benefit of the doubt. And as well as on that note, we might uh, be able to wrap it up. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on, George. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Uh, everyone, it's George Egator and more commonly known as George on Sports on Instagram. Thanks so for coming on, George. Been a pleasure. I'm never going to say no to talking football. Um, I was looking forward to this one, to be honest, because yeah, the head coaching thing, the new head coaching thing right now is very, very strange. You've got the guys who people thought weren't going to do well, who are doing well, and the guys who technically should be doing well aren't doing well. I wouldn't want to be Josh McDaniels, you know, you've got that that ridiculous stadium. They're hosting the Super Bowl after Arizona, and you know, they're not looking good right now. So um, yeah, no, pleasure always. I'm happy to do it again.